90s I was in a very famous TV show Untitled Bojack Bojack Horseman Project This is the intro Welcome back to Untitled Bojack Horseman Project. This is unsurprisingly a Bojack Horseman podcast. This is episode two. We will be discussing season two. My name is Matt Waters and joining me to do the funky Spider-Man is my co-host Ben Phillips. Ben, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah, so, you know, last time we talked about, you know, the the, the formation of the show and our meeting our key cast. We do have some new characters joining this time, but... A fun thing they always do each season, they slightly update the opening titles. Uh, so this time we get, you know, they keep certain elements of it, but kind of between him leaving his bedroom and falling in the pool, uh, there's there's some different stuff. So we've got the film set. Uh, as we learned at the end of last season, he had secured the lead role in his dream movie, Secretariat. Uh, so we see some of the film set, and then uh, we have his girlfriend, added to the opening titles girlfriend i hear you gasp not bojack horseman serial non-monogamist uh but yes we have lisa kudrow putting in a one season shift as wanda pierce who has been in a 30-year coma and thus doesn't give a shit about her i think like she doesn't even know about his show uh, and he finds that appealing at a time where the book has really blown up and everyone is all up in his face and it's like ah here's this person who knows nothing about me but does work in the TV industry, so sort of still shares my interests. I don't know if I love Wanda as a character. I love her at least Kudrow. She's she's a goddamn pro, and like you know, she really excels at stuff like you know her long joke with no punchline, <laughs> that kind of thing. But it's just something about Wanda as a character I never really vibed with. Yeah, I think there's a problem with Wanda in this season where it feels like she needs a big out, and instead it just kind of peters off and like uh i do think it's like a good example of the show leveling up in season two is to have the through line of this relationship but yeah Yeah. you and obviously like kudrow is like a big get you could say for for this i mean not that the friends actors don't aren't consummate professionals and like work all the time but like it does feel like a certain level of books that they've got to actually someone who was on like a 90s sitcom come in for this and 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 do the length of work but ultimately it she just threw like peters out like one or two episodes before the end and then it's kind of those last two episodes that really kind of like drive the knife in not the wonder mm-hmm. stuff and i think that's a big reason why wonder doesn't ever come back again in the show like, i think there are references yeah um I wondered if she's like is like done after this one season. Yeah, I, in my head, I'm like, I feel like she makes a visual cameo, but you don't hear Lisa Kudrow again, and that may just be not true, and it may just all be references. But yeah, so also joining the main okay. cast, uh, we have Ben Schwartz as Rutabaga Rabitovitz, who is uh, he works on the floor below Princess Carolyn at the agency. He is a real fuckboy sleazebag agent who just kind of preys on her being, you know, life has beaten Princess Carolyn down quite a bit. She really would like a win. Uh, He gets really nasty with her at the end with the, like, uh, come on, you're in your 40s and you're single. How picky can you be? But, like, 
a less mean version of that is undeniably true. And yeah, he kind of lays on the charm and it's like, oh, come, I'll, I'm leaving my wife and come start a rival agency with me. And like, we need to put it all in your name because of the divorce. Big fan of Ben Schwartz. Um, it, I, I think. Is this like the start of his voice actor career? Maybe. Um, I mean, you know, most famously fucking Sonic, but uh, in the surprisingly bankable Sonic movie. <laughs> Yeah, but he's like he's he's Sonic. He's in this. He's obviously BB-8 in 2015, which is the same year that this comes out. Um, he's one of the ducks on Ducktales. Yes. Like I, I don't know. Like it feels like he's kind of transitioned into being kind of like a a really good repertory kind of like voice actor guy that you can bring in to do this stuff. Hasn't he voiced Leo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at some point as well? Uh, that sounds accurate. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah like i i I, you know this guy is a dick and he will be back i think yeah i think he's back beyond this he's he's like he he does similar to what like um officer meow meow fuzzy face does where like you think he's in multiple episodes per season but they really do save him from now on for like (laughs) one episode a year after he's in like two or three of this season i just really vividly remember all this stuff where he's like you know like we don't want Princess Carolyn to fall for this obvious douchebag. <laughs> um, I do I love. I think he comes back in. He comes back in like the, obviously the big Princess Carolyn episode in like season four or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do love him constantly slicking his bunny ears back. Um, you know, like you can imagine the 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 douchey agent slicking his hair back, and you know when they're when they're leaving, <laughs> and they've got all their belongings in a cardboard box. He's just got a shitload of of carrots and stuff like that. I like when the, when the animals are briefly animals, <laughs> in perhaps the fucking wildest <laughs> character they will ever add to the show. Alan Arkin voices J.D. Salinger. Yes, long dead J.D. Salinger. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about it later, but like in the process of trying to create a new hit show and find work for a client, uh, Princess Carolyn discovers JD Goddamn Salinger working at a bicycle shop that he doesn't want anyone to come into. I think it's called like Joe Nobody's or something like that. He's like, yeah, fine, I'm JD Salinger. And JD Salinger dreams of advancing beyond. Uh, the the limitations of liter of literature <laughs> by making a game show uh, to get to the heart of human drama, and my word, does he achieve it? But I, I can't imagine pitching this to Alan Arkin. Like, yeah, you're gonna play JD Salinger, uh, but a completely divorced from reality <laughs> JD Salinger, and you're gonna produce a ridiculous game show. And he's like, cool, sign me up. <laughs> Love it yeah, though. It's 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 truly inspired. There's certain things this season, much like the autoerotic association like run of jokes, that are very obviously things that someone brought up in the writer's room and they just kind of hung around throughout the entirety of production. Like yep. <laughs> it's kind of the fun elasticity of this world that you can throw out a pitch like what if JD Salinger created a quiz show? And that ends up being not only an episode in the show, like one of the most memorable episodes of the entire show, yeah. where <laughs> arguably Alan Arkin isn't even like the biggest name guest star in that episode. <laughs> yeah. So loosely speaking, the plot of, of this season, yeah, Bojack has landed Secretariat, that is filming. He goes through his struggles with, uh, you know, 
trying to be a serious actor, trying to keep his shit together, trying to turn a new leaf. He's got a girlfriend now. That presents its struggles. Gradually, you know, <laughs> it starts falling apart for him. Like, Diane is having her own struggles with Mr. Peanut Butter. Like, she rashly accepted a marriage proposal that clearly she has no interest in, and uh, she will eventually go to Cordovia, this fictional uh, overseas country, to kind of get away from Mr. Peanut. Well, actually, he pushes her away because she does a tell-all, a a Bill Cosby-inspired kind of media firestorm about this this fictional character. And he's like, you're getting death threats. You should probably go to Cordovia. She comes back actually quite quickly and then hides out in Bojack's house and pretends she's still there because she just doesn't... She both does and doesn't want to go home to him. By the end of the season, Bojack has done a very, 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 very bad thing and uh, just starts spiralling again, and uh, we'll get into that. But to zoom in a little bit, rather than just the the larger themes, we're going to play a fun game called Podcast Co-Hosts and Their Big Memories. What do they remember? Do they remember things? Let's find out. (laughs) Benjamin, (laughs) you remember everything and don't take any notes, right? Yeah, I don't take any notes whatsoever. Yeah. I, I well, watched this like whilst working as well. Yeah, this will this will come back to haunt you. So I'm gonna name you the episodes, and you're gonna give me like the one sentence synopsis. I do not need the A story, the B story, the C story. I just need the summary. Uh, we're gonna start with the Christmas special. Yeah, you're that you gonna, are you me. gonna try and are you gonna try and fuck me up and like do this out of order of what the season? No, is no, as no, well, no. At no, some no, point, no, no, that would be funny though. <laughs> Uh, we're going to start with the very bad Christmas special you made me watch, even though it's very clear we're not going to actually talk about it. Christmas special uh, is, Todd is excited, it's Christmas in California, which means it's very sunny outside, and makes Bojack watch an episode of Horsin' Around, where uh, Sarah Lynn wants her parents back, but they don't exist, but then Santa maybe exists at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, her parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> More accurately. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been, did exist. Yeah, it's functionally we get to see an actual episode of Horsin' Around, um, which was <laughs> probably fun for least, them to write. But it does have my least favorite joke of the entire season, which is the the annoying like boy in Horsin' Around, where he's like, "Oh, Sarah Lynn's gonna start crying in 30, 29, 28. <laughs> just like. There yeah, is no but... way that joke would ever make it onto any television show where they've only got 22 minutes to like tell a story. Yeah, but it does feature uh, the show creator as the heck. <laughs> That's my favourite line. Yeah, she said <laughs> it again. He's doing the thing he said he wasn't going to do and stuff like that. that those good. are good jokes. Those are good jokes. Uh, right, so that, that kind of sits between season one and season two and it is separate on Netflix from the rest of the show. And then separately from that, they have... A 43-second video labelled as Horsin' Around, and it's just the opening titles that are featured in that Christmas episode. Fucking wild. But, like, done through a VHS, like, recorder. Yeah, so which like... the show isn't when they watch it in the show. <laughs> and also, like, it's credited as coming out in, like, the like 1991 or 1980, whatever. And there's, like, a blend of, like, the real creative team and the fake creative. It's very strange, a meta bit that Netflix did. Right, moving on to the season itself. Brand New Couch. Uh, this is kind of a Bojack and his mum story, isn't it? Where he's, like, like doing Secretariat and then also flashing back to his mum coming to see a filming of Horsin' Around. What you have done is, you have remembered the most interesting bit. <laughs> okay. It's more broadly just Bojack trying to, like, be a self-help 
uh you know he's like listening to george takei audiobooks and trying to like prove he can get his life together but yes there is definitely the stuff with with his mother and then and all of that fun stuff yesterday land <laughs> uh this is todd builds a disneyland ripoff uh and then finds out that disney did actually put two eyes into disneyland so he is able to open up his own disneyland uh-huh. um it's also the introduction of wanda i believe Yes, uh, and has a very weird runner of John McHale as a KGB agent. <laughs> yeah, the classic sitcom trope of, oh no, my perfect the woman that's perfect for me has met someone more perfect for her because he's also been in a coma, <laughs> but unfortunately he's a KGB agent. So, hmm. uh, still broken. Uh, this is Herb's funeral. He doesn't die of cancer. He dies in a car accident. Um, <laughs> and live tweets. And ba- yeah, and it's basically. Uh, the first time that the horse and around cast has been together since the show ended and they're trying to like give a memory to herb thinking he's done something but he's just written a terrible book <laughs> yeah featuring a wonderful and her, and, like, henry there. yes featuring a one wonderful one episode turn from henry winkler who you may remember from law and order special victims unit <laughs> the after the party so this is the kind of the classic the weirdly structured episode of the season where it's basically Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane have a fight, and then we get kind of three stories about Princess Carolyn, about Bojack, and about Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane in the aftermath of the fight, essentially. Um, Which does also feature the conclusion to Princess Carolyn and Vincent. Like, this is is the end of their relationship. So, (laughs) while driving home from the party, she sees a child that is clearly the head and shoulders of Vincent Adultman. And she comes to the conclusion this is his son that he has kept from her. <laughs> and we get ridiculous hijinks where she keeps leaving the room and he keeps switching between the child, Kevin, and Vincent Adultman. And as I've said to you before, in this absolutely buckwild world of Bojack Horseman, it is there is no direct evidence <laughs> that Kevin is not Vincent Adultman's son and Vincent Adultman doesn't just look like that. However, <laughs> clearly... Uh, yeah, rumbled. Chickens. Uh, your least favourite episode. Maybe the the worst episode of the show, in my opinion. <laughs> Which is, uh, basically, uh, they get into the whole thing around whether or not like they eat meat in Bojack's world by Todd falling in love with a, I, like, I don't want to say lobotomized, but pretty much mm. lobotomized chicken. Um, and they, then they we pump get... them full of stuff that makes them not quite right in the head. I think is the idea. Yeah, it gets rid of the inti- the, the moral grey area, <laughs> is is how they phrase it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's no moral grey area here if you eat chicken in this world. Yeah, thanks, Ron Funches. Uh, <laughs> higher love. Uh, this is the episode with autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, <laughs> Bojack basically wants Wanda to. He says, I love you accidentally to her, and then spends the entire episode saying he's going to wank himself to death if she doesn't <laughs> say I love you back. Um, and then, like, in a, in a very, like, not really commented upon thing ever again, he accidentally convinces his co-star in, in uh, Secretariat to commit suicide accidentally. Well, he... Of all the things, I think this one is not on him because, no, it is. because not really like, because this it, guy you has do it with a belt and he's like, oh yeah, I can't, I don't need. It's this. not his fault. That guy is fucking stupid. <laughs> he's like, oh, I never considered you didn't need to use a belt. Like, also, did you did you notice what happens on that episode? What, what do you mean? 
Like that episode is the only episode that flashes up with an 18 rating. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the UK, that one is rated 18 because of the two deaths by autoerotic asphyxiation. Hank After Dark. Uh, Hank After Dark is probably one of my favourite episodes of the season, which is Diane and Bojack are on a book tour and Diane accidentally just mentions the allegations against like a popular TV star and basically sets the entire world on fire because no one else had realised it. And so like everyone is like Googling it at the same time that Hank Hippopotopoulos is like a, a serial abuser who's like being paying to keep women quiet, essentially. Yes, in a very Hannibal Barres accidentally brings up Bill Cosby's rape allegations uh, and then suddenly he's in legal trouble. Uh, yeah, she's like, Google it, everyone knows, and then she is blamed for it. Uh, did you enjoy Matthew Fox's <laughs> Well, is that, that, is, that is my favourite joke of the entire season, which doesn't feature Matthew Fox. It's Scott Wolf as a fox and Matthew Fox as a wolf. Yes. But the vocal performance on Matthew Fox was, I, I don't know what it was about it. It's but just like, he's like foaming at the mouth, idiotic, because, yeah, the the word is Matthew Fox is a real piece of shit, which makes <laughs> me re-watching all of Lost super fun. <laughs> but also, this joke very well-timed in the middle of you watching Lost, where I was just like, oh my god, like, I wouldn't be thinking of Matthew Fox as much as I am right now if you weren't texting me your updates on watching Lost. Yeah. Episode 8, let's find out. Uh, I mean, this is the most famous of the season. This is the, the uh, Bojack Goes On J.D. Salinger's game show sure does uh yeah i mean that is it it's just a basically a taping of the episode uh episode nine is the shot god what is the shot oh uh the shot is the nixon library shot isn't it where basically bojack and um kelsey jannings kelsey jannings want to like make a real movie and everyone else doesn't want them to but they like break into the nixon museum to to get a shot in the nixon library yeah and a hilarious bit of while production was shut down we focus grouped it and changed it uh you know they unknowingly prescient that you know it's almost like they discovered it was a legal procedural and bojack was gonna wasn't gonna be in costume for ages so they just restarted it and, and yeah uh yes they go rogue and they get the shot they want uh episode 10 yes and uh this is i mean the episode title is in reference to todd falling into a cult that definitely isn't Scientology, but is instead improv. Yeah, and we definitely didn't get a famous ex-Scientologist to <laughs> wrap a bow on the thing later. Yes. It's... Um, but it's basically, but it's more like, it, that's the episode where Bojack and Wanda break up, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, okay. Diane moves in, and uh, yeah, that creates friction. Episode 11, Escape from L.A. Uh, a truly incredible episode of the show mm. which is Bojack uh, goes to visit Charlotte in uh, New Mexico and then ends up staying there for several months, falls in love with her family and it's kind of structured like a sitcom where like the crazy neighbour or uncle whatever it is is like hanging around a bit too much and then it takes a very 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 dark turn. Yes it does and I can almost guarantee we'll be talking about that one more in a few minutes I don't know why it's occurred to me now, but you talking about, like, the kind of episode it is, and it isn't even this kind of episode, it just, I guess New Mexico made me think of it. At some point, <laughs> there's a joke about how, like, they need to resolve this in 20 minutes, and how that's not possible, and Wanda's like, that's what we do here. If you want to if you want to pitch your show where everyone's sad, you can drive to AMC, and I was like, yeah, take that. <laughs> <laughs> Out to sea is our season finale, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I, it, it's... 
God, I can't even... It basically just wraps a bow on all the season's plot lines, like Princess Carolyn is, like, going to start a business with Rabidowitz. Um, yes. Diane is, like, seen by Mr. Peanut Butter and they make up. Uh, Bojack finds out that his movie is, like, actually really good and he's might win an Oscar. <laughs> um, Todd, they need to go rescue him from the improv ship. Yeah, uh, the giggle ship. The giggle um, ship. It's very strange. Like, I was... I was when I, I mean, you're correct. You, well done. You've done it again. Um, when I was rewatching it and it was yes and, I was like, so when do they go to the boat? And I was like, we're really running out of time. And I was like, oh, yeah, they come back to it, don't they? <laughs> yeah, because like, I think I text you, I can't remember which episode it is, the one where Todd moves out. And I was like, yeah. this is like a beat that they play in like two more seasons from now. Mm-hmm. Why does Todd go back? And I forgot it's because he goes to the boat and then Bojack rescues him. He sure so they does. patch up the friendship for like another season or yeah. two before... Uh, Bojack does the terrible thing to Todd's yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. It's weird though because it's sh- Escape from LA sure feels like a season finale, and Out to Sea sure feels like the first episode of a new season, right down to the debut of Angela Bassett as Anna Spanakopita, who will be a big character next season. Very good performance, but like, yeah, it just kind of seems like for as much as it wraps some plot lines, it also kicks off some new ones because, like, you know, you got Princess Carolyn, like, she kicks Rudabega to the curb and it's her agency now. And yeah, that like Todd and Bojack make up, you know, it, it feels like that thing where you end a, a season sad and then you have to make everyone a bit happy again to start the next season, kind of. It's kind of similar to like how Mad Men would end a season where Mad Men would mm-hmm. like kind of blow up everything in the season finale but then kind of like give you the teases of like where things right. are going to go in the next season okay. like like there's the I think this is the season 3 finale of Mad Men where like they do a big heist thing and they basically set up where everything is going to go yeah. in the next year but like that is more successful because the finale is really memorable whereas this one is just they throw out kind of the the kind of two or three plot hooks of the next season which are Carolyn with her new agency and Bojack on the Oscar trail yeah Okay, so, to make this podcast not five hours long, we are not going to go into great depth of each individual episode, but we are going to pick a favourite each, and they will get the nice reward of the full episode treatment. I feel like Escape from LA has to be one of the two. Yes. It's just, and then do for you me... Want the fun, do you want I, the funny episode, or do you want the, the sad episode? I think Let's Find Out has to be the other one. Yeah. Do, is there any disagreement there? Like... Um, I really like Hank After Dark. Hank After Dark would be like my honourable mention, just because mm. I think that episode is so well-timed and actually quite astute in discussing the things that it needs to discuss, yeah. especially when you consider it's 2015 and we're still two years away from like the Weinstein Reckoning at yeah. that point. Like, Me yeah. Too is not a thing when this episode airs. It probably is reacting to the Cosby thing more than yeah. it is reacting to it anything absolutely else. Is. I do actually quite like the shot, but yeah, I, I would say it's Let's Find Out and it's Escape from LA, and I would say we just take them in their chronological order. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to guide one and I'll guide the other, but I mean, like, if, yeah. if, if made to pick which one of those two is your favourite, Let's Find Out or Escape from LA. <laughs> I feel in some ways I should do Let's Find Out, because... <laughs> It is heavily indebted at the beginning to riffing on Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) It is. As we have so much backstage walk and talk, everyone is like, you know, it's all chaotic and and it's like the episode, like they film Hollywood celebrities and stars. What do they know? Do they know? I've got that in the wrong order. (laughs) Do they know things? Let's find out. Uh, It is broadcast from Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip even, so... 
I don't know. On some level, it feels like that should be my episode. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. I mean, I, um, I will say a very funny thing about the walk and talk at the beginning is it does show the limitations of animation to do this kind of shot. It's really mm. impressive that they do it, but there are bits where they like pan around to show walls and stuff, and you're just like, oh yeah, like it's it'd be a real pain in the ass to make this feel like a real mm-hmm. lived-in studio with like bits of paper and trays and like all the all the rest of the stuff kind of like littered everywhere and instead for like two seconds there's a blank wall with one picture frame on it and you're like ah this doesn't it doesn't feel lived in enough no 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 like animation is so it's bespoke dioramas isn't it like yeah so yeah absolutely so yeah bojack has agreed to be the first he's on the first episode of mr peanut butter's uh, new show that he's hosting and yeah uh jd salinger jd goddamn salinger who they discovered is executive producing it. The the kind of B plot throughout the episode is Todd and a runner played by Tatiana Maslany uh, called Mia. They are battling to win J.D. Salinger's respect in the form of a pen, uh, where the writers have misunderstood the point in those four coloured pens, where it's like blue, black, red, and for some reason green. It's because red and green are supposed to be for marking papers, like green tick, red cross, but hey. They're, they're smart Hollywood people and I'm not, so I guess it's still funny. And and that, you know, like, it's fine, the, the Todd stuff. Like, he's 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 dressing up, we're doing Truman Show parodies. It, Mia wins the pen and then Todd gets sad, so he gets the pen. And he does a How I Met Your Mother, like, joke at the end. But, like, the meat of the show, is of the episode, is, is the taping of the show. And I really like that we... We stay with them in the advert breaks kind of thing. So like, there's moments where like you know you hear the bell and the lights go down and then they're still talking in between because Mr. Peanut Butter is being a real dick <laughs> throughout the thing as the host, trying to make Bojack look really fucking stupid. They bring in... <laughs> so they do a whole segment with him and then they bring in... They reveal he is the little celebrity, where he assumed he was the celebrity of the episode. Uh, they bring in the big celebrity, which is Daniel Radcliffe, playing himself. Big fan of the show, Daniel Radcliffe, already before they asked him to be on it, and he's like, absolutely. And uh, he's great. <laughs> yeah, he's really fun. In one of the few times where like an actor actually portrays himself on this show, it's like him, Margot Martindale, and like, a couple others. Yeah. Uh, like Zach Braff later on. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh, Jessica Biel. <laughs> Jessica Biel. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, the game show is—I mean, it, it's demented in concept because basically, like, the questions are either incredibly impossible or like the personal opinions of Mr. Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. Like, there are clips later on in the season where the question is like, "What would I have for breakfast?" or, or like whatever the dumb thing is, and Diane is watching and she answers correctly, and the... yeah. it's like, "Who's my favorite berry?" Or yes. what is my favourite berry? And it's like a person with berry in their name. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, how would I have possibly known that? Um, and there's one where it's like, A, B, and then yeah, C is like all of the above or something like that. And then he's like, oh, I'm turns- sorry, it's A or B. But I, also, well, I don't know. Like, it's, like it he invalidates the answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was A or B, but I also would have accepted C. Therefore, the answer is D. Uh, it's an unwinnable format. Um, it's stuff like average rainfall in Bora Bora, and my favourite is when he has to go inside a little house and write an essay about feudalism <laughs> <laughs> leading to the French Revolution. He's like, he didn't even get beyond his thesis statement. 
Um, and then Daniel Radcliffe gets like the easiest questions in yes. the world. Yeah, like we get the format: the big celebrity is meant to look good, the little celebrity is meant to look stupid, and we see like a montage of of <laughs> like they're hanging from the ceiling and wearing like Carmen Miranda like outfits and just all kinds of just nonsense I, bullshit. I really like Alison Brie screeching the name of all the segments <laughs> in between as well. Um, very good. Like I love that they find ways to keep her in the show even when diane isn't around as much um whether it's something really silly like this or voicing most of the children yeah really really good i also really like i like how over the top this show is because obviously like Mm. we were in an era in the early 2000s of like um like uh these kind of quiz shows being able to be like massive hits because obviously Mm -hmm. you've got like wants to be a millionaire and weakest link and like all these Massive, massive, massive game shows that aired in prime time rather than like daytime Jeopardy kind of slots. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the budget on this thing is so insane that like it has to be a hit, otherwise <laughs> like, you're probably going to tank the network. And like, like wonder, like yeah, like the the unspoken thing is while this is like you know it's a silly joke and like it's Mr. Peanut Butter, like he needs to work again in the same way that Bojack needed to work again when the show started and they've just been coasting off their fame. He really needs this to go well. Wanda has pinned <laughs> the hopes of the network on a double billing of this and Hank Hippopopolis's I Think You Can Dance, where they tell people, I think you can dance, even if they can't. So, like, when Diane starts creating trouble and, like, Bojack starts, like, maybe tanking the show, it's like, both of you need to do us a solid... And Bojack kind of does, and Diane does not. Yeah. And then throughout the episode, Wanda has discovered second screen experience with an iPad and is following along with uh, audience comments and stuff it's like so that. It's so weird how far away we are from that now. I know. That was, that was like the big thing in like the early 2000s with Twitter was that like follow the cast and crew as they like live tweet the episode and you yeah. can like join in with the take. And now everything is like, yeah, the show episode drops at like 8 a.m. You can watch it at that time, but you can watch it like seven weeks later. We're not yeah. really going to like force you to watch it in in any particular order. It... No one, no one will be talking about the show in the live stream fashion. <laughs> was it Game of Thrones that had like the second screen experience? Was there was a map of Westeros or whatever, and I... they would like show you where they were and stuff like that? See, that sounds useful. Yeah, it does. Than... <laughs> just geographically map it out in your head a little bit better rather than yeah be a nerd and figure it out eventually yeah uh, so princess carolyn like she's always had the soft spot for bojack she doesn't want to see him humiliated so she reveals mr peanut butter has a tell uh his ears prick up when he says the right answer so bojack then starts to completely dominate and then wonder asks him to lose because like we don't want you to fuck up the show but because mr peanut butter is relentlessly mocking him things start to get personal as he's like oh so your wife like you know, moved away to get away from you. And this is where he learns that Mr. Peanut Butter knew all along that he kissed her in season one. Uh, it, it's a common theme in Bojack. It, like, it's, it's, they've really honed in on a type of man and things that men go through where he thinks this is this, like, forbidden romantic moment they must never discuss again. And to Diane, it was like a bad thing that happened to her that she immediately told her husband about and she never thinks about again and on some level bojack is probably always like uh what could have been because we have this chemistry and i have this dark secret and him being like wait so you knew and you told and you continued to be my friend is like yeah it's it's like they find a pocket to do heavy stuff in the show 
even when yeah. they're doing something so silly and like Wanda learning that they kissed, which then seeds her being so like, you know, anti Diane staying with them and stuff like that. It's all really yeah, is this like is this really wonderful moment of them like because it works in the context of the show as well because it does feel like something that would actually genuinely save the show to have this moment of like <laughs> unscripted drama in the middle of everything. And yeah. so it works as the double edged thing of like Bojack is actually fixing the show and also purging some demons and like actually coming to terms with some stuff, but yeah. in the Bojack Horseman way of like never actually doing it enough yeah. to. And, like, he confesses to Mr. Peanut Butter that, like, he's jealous of him because it seems everything comes easily to him and that, like, he seems to feel good about himself and Bojack can't. And and Mr. Peanut Butter turns it around and is like, hey, like, you're in a wildly successful thing, you have a wonderful girlfriend, like, you're in your dream movie, what more do you want, kind of thing. And, yeah, he wants to feel good about himself. As you said, like, the, the, the surprising unscripted human drama of it, um, Salinger loves it all and is like triumphant. They're like, there, I knew that we could go past the limitations of books. This is human drama. And they get Alan Alder to say the hilarious line, if only I'd had a kiss cam for Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Bojack and Mr. Peanut Butter kiss to make the whole thing even. I know Bojack's a piece of shit and like we shouldn't like root for him, but like, I don't know. I don't like when he gets completely trounced by people so daniel radcliffe spends the whole episode big dogging him not remembering him um despite the fact they'd met before <laughs> and then he like remembers the names of the production assistants and stuff like that and he keeps calling him like ridiculous names that i can't remember now uh, and then at the end of the show bojack has won despite trying to lose right at the end and he's won $500,000 and he can double it for charity or they will immediately set fire to all of the money. And he deliberately gets it wrong because the question is about Daniel Radcliffe and like, who is the lead of, of Harry Potter? And he's like, Elijah Wood. <laughs> Elijah Wood! And then they set fire to the money and we hit end credits. I just, I don't know. I know that it's funny to see Radcliffe come in and be this douchebag, but I, I kind of like seeing him get his comeuppance there. So yeah. Uh, so that's let's find out. But the big one, the this, I mean, once a season, Bojack does a very, 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 very bad thing, and every time he tries to get better, something comes back about the bad thing he did, and he spirals all over again. And this is, this is our big one for season two. I mean, season one, like I guess he argued with Herb and kissed Diane. Like it's not as huge as what we're gonna get going forward. Well, I, no, season I guess he one, got. Season one feels like a dry run for a lot of this yeah. stuff, where I feel like they figure out by the end of the season what the tone of the show is. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. well, I mean, he he fucked Sarah Lynn and he got her back on drugs. Well, he didn't get her back on drugs. He failed to intervene in her getting back on drugs, and he he slept with her, which was bad. But... I feel like this is the moment where they realize that there's no coming back for this character. Yeah, like it's yeah, yeah, this yeah. in the season three one where I feel like even in the writer room they're like, oh no, we are we have made him fully irredeemable now. Like. Yeah. There is nothing we can do from this point onwards to 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 redeem this. Yep. Uh, so, why don't you talk us through it then? Yeah. So, as I said earlier, Bojack uh, basically he he leaves the set of Secretariat and drives to New Mexico to basically um, to go see Charlotte, a woman who he has known for like days of his life was like Herb's ex, and like they knew each other a little bit, but it's been yeah thirty years since they've seen each other, and she has as it turns out in this episode, like, an entire family. So, like, you get 
Olivia Wilde, Ed Helms, Adam Pally, and Alana Glazer, which is like a super weird yeah. mix of like <laughs> late 2000s, early 2010s television. Because you've got 13 from House, you've got Andy from The Office, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Max from Happy Endings, yep. and then you've got uh, Abby from uh, Broad City. Yep. And I mean, how, how far is Broad City on in this run at this point? Broad City is like the new one, but obviously yeah, they're yeah. pinning. They're pinning this entire thing on Alana Glazer, uh-huh. really, yeah. and like yeah, she's got a good for it. Like it's like she does really well here. Like Ed Helms is the one that kind of melts into the background a bit. Where you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is the Nard Dog, isn't it? <laughs> but... Yeah, and like, but he's also like the probably the biggest star in this episode. Like I know well, that's Wild why it's funny just... because it's like yeah. he's he's the biggest get, but like he's he's the one the least. He's like the most innocuous. Like some people just don't take to voice acting or like. I think Ed Helms is a very physical performer because he's got such a fucking funny face and he's so, you know, with his body and everything. Um, yeah, and like Charlotte did make a, a brief cameo at the funeral where she dropped the bombshell on Bojack that like she was only in Maine very brief. Like he always, he had his big fantasy about going to Maine and having the the family with Charlotte and growing old together and then she's like, oh, I don't even fucking live in Maine. And I like I said, that... that it's a common thing with men to make more of something on their side of it than it meant to the woman where like, you know, she drops it on him at the end. Like, dude, you knew me for five minutes, 30 years ago. We, and to hit to him, she's the one that got away and he, she doesn't think of him like ever. And that's, you know, this guy is, is, is all fucked up. He has so few real meaningful relationships in his life. And this was his safety blanket was, oh, there's something out there for me. And not only is she not in the right place, she doesn't think about him at all. She's married yeah. the kids. Like, his whole, like, his one-sided obsession with her, like, comes to the fore. It's it's why it's almost a shame that they don't manage to find, like, a nice conclusion between this and Wanda, where mm. he has, like, a real adult relationship for seemingly the first yeah. time in his entire life, and they can't find a way to contrast that with... The, mm. the ways in which he treats your your Charlottes or mm. your Dianes. Like, he's so much more hung up on these people who he had well, fleeting one-time things than he is with a woman who he lives with and yeah. is supposedly supposed to have, like, chemistry with. And, yeah, it's just, like, I think because Wanda never comes back, they don't yeah. get to kind of, like, conclude that, whereas they get so much more mileage out of both this thing with Charlotte and with Diane and ultimately with Penny as well as, as where this episode kind of goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, uh, he pins so much on the concept of knowing him. So when he breaks up with Wanda, he's like, you didn't know me, you fell in love with me, you got to know me, and now you know me and therefore I'm trash. And like the focus group data will bring, you know, Turtle Tub will bring that back on him at the end where he's like, Oh, our data shows that people like you want to find out more about you. Uh, it's Anna Spanakopita says it. They want to find yeah. out more about you, but up to a threshold. And in this, he's like, oh, you... She says, I don't even know you. And he's like, no, you do know me. And it's almost like, you know, he's he's offered that viewpoint that, like, anyone who actually gets to know me realizes I'm a piece of shit. And he's, like, held on to Charlotte as the exception of, like, oh, no, no, but the real me is me before, bo- before horsing around. And that's where she's from. And then she rejects that as well, of like, oh, I, I, I don't know you, kind of thing. So I do think, like, the spirit of Wanda lives on in that, in some ways. Yes. No, I, I do agree there. Like, I do think, like, there, there is a there is a through line in terms of his mental state 
across mm-hmm. all of it. It's just I wish there was more of it with yeah, oh yeah, Wonder. I guess like like I think I I do not think there's an issue with the way that Bojack's arc in the show is treated. It's more I wish there was more of a contrast between the relationship that had been built up over the entire season as opposed to his relationships with these women. But I don't know what I would yeah. do there. And I think the show kind of does as much as it can. But yeah, the episode, as I said earlier, is kind of a parody of kind of like sitcom life. Like they changed the theme song in this episode to be... <laughs> Kyle and the Kids. Kyle and the Kids. Uh, which <laughs> pivots into Kyle being the lead of this show, which doesn't feel right. Like Kyle doesn't have enough juice to be interesting. Yeah. Like, um, there's nothing you can do <laughs> but there's some like funny bits where they're like bojack buys a boat because he like lies and says that he's like headed to headed to new mexico for a boat show so yeah. the boat yeah. ends up like staying on the staying on their driveway for two months and all the kids come outside and they're like can we have dinner on the boat and like oh no i need to go to the bathroom on the boat <laughs> well yeah and like you know the the penny rumbles him almost immediately it's like you didn't drive all the way here just to see my mum who you don't actually know and she never talks about you <laughs> and he's like uh because it seems innocuous and cute she's like hey if you're ever in town look me up and when he does turn up she seems pleased to see him but then like as soon as it like it it does not withstand even the smallest level of interrogation where it's like no yeah you're right that is weird that i did that uh so yeah he makes up the boat show thing you know landlocked new mexico when he lives in california which <laughs> has many many fine like beachfront and oceanfront properties and whatnot yeah and and like he does them a solid by penny needs to do some driving practice and he's like yeah fine fuck it and they bond a little bit where you know he learns about her crush and stuff like that and he keeps secret that she crashed his car and then she keeps secret that like he doesn't confess fully but he's like oh yeah i I just needed to get out of la because the film is falling apart. Like their their attempt to make Secretariat good gets Kelsey fired and replaced with a character I truly loathe, the new director who's like a catfish constantly sipping on something at all times. Uh just the wettest mouth in the world. And he's just like, Yeah, fuck it. Like we'll fix it and post and then they argue. So he's like, I'll keep you here for the longest days. We need to do so many reshoots. You're not going to get to do your play in New York. So he just fucking bails. And then... You, you do know who the voice of the catfish is, don't you? Uh, I've forgotten immediately, but I did, yes. It's, it's, it's Gary Marshall. Right, yes. <laughs> Director of Runaway Bride, The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Um, like, like, I'm sure he's having fun with it, but like, I he makes my skin crawl, this character. So, oh, yeah. Which it's, is probably just, the intention. But It's yeah. a fun riff on like actual Hollywood thing of like a guy who's like the reveal in the episode of like we're not making Sits and Kane he's like well because that movie already exists not because we're not making a good movie <laughs> like the joke about you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today because they already made that movie kind of thing and the yeah. actors are dead wait so you mean we're literally not making Casablanca <laughs> <laughs> yes that's a story about a bartender named Rick this is about a racer uh, yeah so he wanted to get out of LA like, and then he named he the boat Escape from LA which is all very cute but yeah he yeah, did. it's basically Bojack and Penny start to bond in the background, mm-hmm. and Bojack is like the fun uncle who like does all the fun things. And basically, after Penny, her prom date like doesn't accept her, or like she doesn't get a date in time for prom. Yeah, Bojack is like he does the thing that Ross from Friends does, where like <laughs> uh, I will be your date to prom. Uh, like Rachel, but then, well, no, he, he offers to go, but she actually goes with him, and his her dad is the one that gets rejected. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So they go yeah. to prom, but then Bojack being Bojack, he gives one of the girls alcohol poisoning, dumps them at the dumps them at the hospital. Pressures uh, one of them into lying about it because like, hey, if you're just kids fucking around, it's fine. But if I'm the adult and I got and she ended up this way, I'm in trouble. And he like gets fully dark and like applies the pressure of being the older man kind of thing. Like, are we cool? Are we cool, cool, <laughs> to Pete repeat? And then... Uh, well, he also, like, he, he gets them all to leave prom early after, like, failing to get everyone to love his dance he does in the middle <laughs> by taking them back to the 90s. It's all very shit. But then eventually he takes them home and Penny comes on to him and is like, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, She's he, like, I'm he... sober. The age of consent in Arizona is 17. Uh, New Mexico is 17. <laughs> She says she knows how to put a condom on with her mouth. And he's like, what kind of health class? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but he does instead, do the correct thing here. He does He does, does the correct her. thing here. And then immediately fucks up by kissing Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And she does... She does kiss back. More than Diane does. More than Diane does, yes, absolutely. She's into it in the moment. And I was like, well, no, this is fucking stupid. Like, I think she's just like a little bit tipsy by the fire. There's warm feelings. And it's like maybe physically mildly pleasant. Maybe she does hate Kyle. I don't know. But she's also then like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and that is when, yeah, she she drops all that stuff on him about like, we knew each other for five minutes. And he begs her. He's like, please don't make me go back to L.A. And then what he has clung on to has blown up in his face. And we don't see quite how this goes down, but... Yeah, it's... He goes back, and at first, it seems like he rejects her again, but he leaves the door open. And Mm -hmm. then when Charlotte comes on to check, they're on the bed, and Charlotte looks like she is taking off his, like, tie. They are still fully clothed, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, we don't see He's anything. He's sitting on the bed, she's like kneeling. She's not like straddling him, but she's like kneeling beside him. And like, it seems like she's trying to remove some of his clothes. And then, the, you know, obviously Charlotte loses her fucking shit, as she rightfully should. And we get that reminder that like, like every now and then you're like, oh, this is a show that could be on TV. Like, it's a normal, like, slightly adult cartoon. And then they will drop their like F bombs every now and then. You're like, oh, yeah, they're on Netflix. They can say what they want. <laughs> Because uh, she says she'll fucking kill him if uh, he ever tries yeah. to contact them again. You know, we don't know, but he could have been doing even more than he did to rebuff her. And he shouldn't have even been in this situation. Like, that they're all cool with him taking her to prom in the first place is like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, and yeah, you know, even if he plays it mildly correctly in the first place, like, yeah, like... We know he was it, caught in an uncom- you know, in a compromised position with a seventeen-year-old girl, and he's fifty. <laughs> I don't know how old Bojack yeah, is, yeah, but he is, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 a moment that the show comes back to as like this is the this is the point of no return. Like like mm-hmm. nothing he does beyond this point will make him redeemable. Like this, this is in his moment of weakness. He whether or not he said yes, or even just through being a person in her life who is exuding authority that she is kind of like thinking that she's attracted to Mm -hmm. um he is he is putting her into this situation like he is giving her friends alcohol and putting himself into a like it just it bojack is inserting life in a way that's appropriate and wholly his own doing because it because again like the fact that he goes from the kiss with charlotte to to getting into bed with penny or like letting penny get into bed with him is 
like the even even if she wasn't seventeen, the optics of like going to fuck a daughter after yeah. you've been rebuffed by the mother is it, like it, it's the fragile male ego. Like like he he had put so much onto Charlotte unfairly. You know, he didn't want to go back to LA and like he was feeling better about himself. Like, you know, throughout the season he had been trying, like, sincerely. Like he was doing the self help tapes and on the book tour he was the professional one while while Diane was not uh, well, you know, I'm not saying she wasn't professional, but like, it all went down how it did. And, you know, it did fall apart with Wanda, but, like, you know, he had found a life away from fame that he was enjoying. And then, yeah, when he is told, when something challenges his belief system about himself or the the elements where he thinks there's something good, he spirals hard. And, to yeah, he allows this to go down in some degree that we'll, we don't know ever. And... Yeah, this will come back. Like it will come out that this all happened uh, eventually, and it's real bad for his career and his life and his relationships. And yeah, um, and it ends again. Super feels like a season finale with yeah. because they didn't do the opening titles at the start. As his boat is towed back to LA, they play the opening titles, and then like Diane is still living at his house two months later and has trashed the fucking place uh, and is just day drunk all the time. <laughs> and then to go from yeah. that into the... like, I mean, maybe it was just like, this is so heavy, we need something lighter to end on. But I feel like, in the future they do end on heavy episodes. Yeah, I mean, season three ends with the the Sarah Lynn episode. Like, yeah. that is that is literally the last thing in season three. I think, they pro- again, this is the show figuring itself out. This is a mm-hmm. terrific season. It's a big step up from it's season really one. Good. We are not we're not yet up to like the point where I'm like this is one of the like four or five best shows of the two thousand tens, which we we get to by the end of the show, I think. Um but Um, fundamentally like I think this episode is like a huge signifier of that and I think they just haven't quite nailed the structure of the season at this point and they would have had the confidence to end on this episode a year later, as they obviously do a year later. But I think it's because they go like, Well, we have the rest of the cast to service and we can't end on the Bojack solo episode when there's still stuff with Carolyn and then Todd and yeah. and uh, and uh, Diane like left in the wind. So those are those two big episodes. <laughs> like we've talked broadly about the themes here and like, you know, we can pull out favorite jokes and favorite moments and stuff. Something I forgot to mention, it's kind of fortuitous because I forgot it's 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 a moment or a joke or a, or a beat in two parts. At the end of season 1, we saw Bojack's question to Secretariat read out on the air and John Krasinski like playing Secretariat like you know this terribly heartbreakingly sad letter from a small boy who was like how do you not feel sad sometimes and he tries to give an answer and then Secretariat fucking kills himself (laughs) and then we see the other side of it uh, in, in, in this season and it breaks my heart that every time we cut to baby Bojack in his little sailor suit with his hilariously tragic parent and the little fucking kid didn't even get to hear his hero's response as he sits by the tv and his parents are just having a screaming match behind him and you know in an age where like you know obviously that he would be able to pull this moment up on youtube now but at the time it aired live and if you didn't see it you didn't see it like fuck you no probably didn't have a vcr like you know there's no rerunning of this so he missed this huge moment that like I'm not saying that Secretariat's response would have saved Bojack's, like, <laughs> moral centre and innocence, but, like, it just... 
in a way that I find both funny and really genuinely heartbreaking and touching, like that he poured his heart out in this letter that they got a joke out of it was like, do you get my joke? I am a horse. You are a horse. Do you get my joke? Do you get my joke? Kind of thing. And then to like have it be, and he didn't even fucking hear it. And he maybe got his hero to kill himself. <laughs> like, yeah, just the, yeah, that one, that one really sticks with me. Yeah. Like uh, again, it's, it's those little moments that like really, really hang out to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, um, other, any other little moments and stuff that you want to bring up? Um, God, yeah. I mean, there's so much going on, isn't there? Uh, I mean, Henry I, Winkler is so good yes. at the funeral, and that like the Princess Carolyn is there to schmooze, and he's like, "Oh, I hate people that turn up at these things to do that." And then Mister Peanut Butter gets to just openly say, "Oh, I'm just here to schmooze," and there's no punishment for him because Mister Peanut Butter just fails up. Mister Peanut Butter and Todd, I love them, and they both annoy me greatly because they both are people that fail upwards like like Todd's Disneyland where it's like is there any chance they wrote it down wrong and it's like yes yes they did <laughs> this is all legal <laughs> yeah all of that is really good did we know already that one of the kids on Horsing Around was called Bradley Hitler, Hitler Smith <laughs> I think that's revealed this season it did, that's, did... that's pretty good <laughs> um, Ryan Johnson's really fun as Brian oh he's a real like... bad actor though <laughs> Like, oh, shockingly, the the one that's not an actor is the one doing the really bad vocal performance. <laughs> I still like his like shtick of being like the the stick in the mud improv guy in comparison yeah. to um, God, who is it? It's is it John Show as the lead. It's John Show, and I forget who the the female improv uh, yeah. person is. It's also funny because I feel like this was improv was like really hot on like comedy <laughs> shows at this time. So I feel like it's also a plot point on You're the Worst as well yeah. around now, and. It's just very weird because obviously improv is like where so many people are coming from in American comedy. They're coming from like, they've always been around, but it feels like improv became like in the sights of people mm-hmm. uh, at some point in, over the course of the 2010s. And, and then... people got really obsessed with, with, I mean, you've got Judd Apatow films where it's like, oh my God, and they just improvised like so many takes. And it's like, is that arguably bad though? Like, um, I feel like it, it became a big obsession and also like a resentment, I feel. <laughs> yeah, like there are people who are good at it and people who are bad at it. And yeah. you end up seeing a lot more of the bad at it when you're like living through the moment. And at some <laughs> point, we'll reach a point where we've revised it so that the only good movies that exist are the, yeah. the improv ones. And it's like, no, you don't remember like yeah. how bad it was. And like, like I. Like, I flabby two hour comedy movies. Yeah. And like, I've been to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and seen bad improv for. It cost me like less than five pounds to get in. And it was like, like cringe and it's like you know me and my friends could do better than this kind of thing and i feel everyone thinks that and i'm sure it is more difficult but like yeah it was not so good one of my favorite lines uh diane says to mr peanut butter while they're having a fight mr peanut butter you know i love you and think you're a good dog yes you are yes you are and i love your cute (laughs) funny face um and she says it all with like dramatic gravitas (laughs) as they're having version 906 of their like you two really need to break up like discussion we get the continuing you brought this up that like uh happy birthday diane and use a pretty font is written on (laughs) either on the t-shirt or on the sign i had a ball at diane's 35th birthday party and underline ball i don't know why this is so hard (laughs) it's written on a t-shirt he fills Um, a room with he turns a room into a ball pit (laughs) because he misunderstood this will come back up. She wanted a ballroom when she was little. And that will come back with the... She wanted the, like, bell from Beauty and the Beast library. And he instead makes a giant ball pit for her. That's all pretty good. 
uh, when you look at the world, when you look at someone through rose-colored glasses, all the red flags are just like flags. Is mm-hmm, a really mm-hmm. fucking good line. Very good line. Um, uh, oh, Kelsey loving Todd is very funny to me. <laughs> look at this guy. Look at his fucking face. <laughs> and then repeatedly making the joke of like, and I don't just think your movies are profound because they're full of lesbians. <laughs> It's very um, funny because she's very obviously supposed to be a riff on uh, Kelly Reichardt right. as as a, as a filmmaker, and it's just it like the I make like really quiet like slow independent dramas and stuff like that, and just in the context of Killers of the Flower Moon coming out this year, <laughs> and one of one of Kelly Reichardt's like leading women is now going to be an Oscar winner, and it's like okay, this is I don't know, it just feels like a stupid weird coming of like full circle thing for the show, yeah. The the wonder line of to be fair, I haven't had sex in thirty years. I hope. <laughs> I hope. And I also am like, how old is Wanda meant to be? <laughs> because like I don't know if she's meant to be age appropriate and she's like fifty as well and she went into a coma when she was twenty, but then it's like is is there some irony here that Bojack's first adult relationship is with someone who's mentally like <laughs> Yeah, in her mid twenties, in her mid or earlier twenties. Like. Um, there's Paul McCartney coming out of a cake, played by Paul <laughs> McCartney, is quite a good flex. Uh, I really love when Bojack has like broken his phone in Escape from LA, mm. and then he, in Out to Sea he gets a phone call from Princess Carolyn, but the phone screen is broken so badly he only <laughs> sees the start of her name, so answers the phone with "Hello, Prince." <laughs> Uh, Diane gets the the ringtone I was thinking of uh, when yes, I was trying Sarah to list all it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a ringtone presented in. Yeah, all very it's, good. Which is still, which is still my ringtone. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> it, it has been my ringtone ever since the show. I mean, aired. have you heard your ringtone out loud ever? I personally I have. haven't had my phone on loud. I don't think in at least ten years. <laughs> I have heard it out loud because, like, sometimes I need to shower and need to have the phone on and all the right, rest of it. So it right. needs to be like you need on. to take a call in the shower. <laughs> What kind of business well, are you doing, Ben? Oh, God. Just, you know, like when you take one of those like 1 p.m. showers and you're like, God, I've got right. a meeting in like five minutes. Need to... But what condition are you going to be in if you answer that phone call hot out of the shower? Like, yes, business. Uh, stocks <laughs> at the business factory. You're just going to deal with Vince Adultman. Uh... Yeah, I mean, that is, that is my job. I actually okay. wear a trench coat and I have two small children <laughs> that I sell. Yeah. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> um... Something that I didn't pick up on from before. This this Rutabaker trying to lure Carolyn away from the agency. We've established her favourite movie is Jerry Maguire. Does this work on her? Because, like, that is her fantasy on some level. Like Potentially, potentially. Yeah. Uh, Margaret Martindale, fresh out of prison, participates in a giant police shootout. What, what took you so long? I've been out of prison for two minutes or whatever it is. Uh, the tidbit that both Bojack and Mr. Peanut Butter in their shows, were president at one point. <laughs> like, the horse was president in season three. But, um, like, this peanut butter was actually president. It wasn't a dream, but, like, stepped down so he could take care of his kids. Yeah, he realised he was spending too much time being president and not enough time with his children. Is the hint that Margot Martindale and Bojack work together on a TV show in this season, or is that, like, later on? Uh, that's later, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that what all the Jill Pill... And, yeah, I, uh, I, I know Jill Pills in this season, and so I. Didn't well, they keep mentioning her, but we don't see her. Um, yeah, and also that like the another thing that like Bojack, he didn't get Kelsey fired, but like she is fired because of their adventures uh, trying to get that shot, and like she is one of you know we talk about all of his the sins of his past. Her holding this against him will be one that like comes up a lot. 
going forward. I like uh, <laughs> Turtle Tail being like complimenting her on being a professional because she shrugs in the face of them completely changing the movie into like just slapstick nonsense. Yeah, I at this point we're just scraping for jokes. No, there's, good, there's one but... bit I do want to reference, which is just the there's a joke in the in the Hank Kippopoulos episode, which obviously like is really good, but it starts with Bojack making a joke about Alaskan natives, I believe it. Like where he like it's obviously supposed to be a joke about Bojack being like crude and like uh, unable to like being a little bit racist and stuff like that. Yeah. And like there's an interview that Raphael Bob Waxberg did where he was like someone got in contact with me and wrote like a really long letter about like why they felt insulted by that joke. And I've realized now <laughs> because like the the well no because the line that they say to him is I don't mind you putting this into bojack's voice but at the end of the day this is the only representation that my people have had in your show is yeah. this negative outburst so there's no there's no positive view to balance out it's just a joke at the expense of us and you can say it's about bojack but in reality it's mm. it is ultimately a joke at our expense and Raphael waxberg did like a really thoughtful kind of response to saying like it's one of the two jokes that i regret most in making the show is like mm. this moment and i think speaks so like voluminous about like the the kind of intelligence that goes into making this show that they are thinking about these decisions and are willing to like talk about when they fuck up yeah ultimately uh so something i threatened to do to you uh <laughs> and is gonna happen now uh do you have your phone to hand i do have my phone to hand okay i would like you to read out this message God, I would love to take down Hippopolis and finally topple the Acropolis of monstrous hypocrisy that ensconces us. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, there weren't many in season one, but I feel this is where they have started to throw them at the various actors. Another one I liked was ominous and anomalous accusations against Hank Hippopolis. Joining me now is Hippopolis apologist and armchair sociologist Cardigan Burke. <laughs> And are you saying the Van Sant camp want to recant on Van Camp is also pretty good. <laughs> so many. Yeah. It's, There'll be a lot a... more for Princess. I think they realised Amy Sedaris is good at them and were like, right, <laughs> challenge accepted. Uh, yeah, they, throw, mean, I... they throw a lot of them at the newsreader as well because, I mean, presumably he would be good at that. <laughs> I mean, the whole cast is so good. Like, we didn't really focus on anyone, but, like, it's just it's good work from everyone again this yeah. season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it is interesting because, like, obviously... In looking up stuff on the show, I know you mentioned earlier on the uh, on the Escape from LA episode where like mm. Charlotte drops the, the f bomb at Bojack, yeah, and the whole thing of like each character on the show gets a moment where they lose it with Bojack, and that's when they like <laughs> say tell him to fuck off or like yeah, tell him yeah, to yeah, yeah. to do something like that, and that is the breaking point for all the characters. And so far, it's only been recurring characters, yeah, uh, but Charlotte, and I think next season we get our first like the first irreparable mm -hmm. this main cast member is never going to be close to bojack again i'm going to call that that's season two bojack horseman uh not the absolute best season but a very good one uh of the show i'm sure at the end we'll rank them i would i would say so if if we want to build it as we're going maybe that's fun uh i would say season two is better than season one yes absolutely yes. there you go then uh we'll see what happens when we get to season three next week but for now this has been episode two season two of untitled bojack horseman project i've been matt waters he has been ben phillips i have thank you for your time and your insights and your memories i yeah i don't know how i do it, it was just yeah. <laughs> the problem with it is now it's a bit yeah like, i know you're not going to 
cheat and write down the plots or look them up or anything because I know you, but also you're like on the lookout for it. So there's maybe an incentive for you to like right click save as these I... plots in your brain a little bit more. <laughs> I am watching these episodes in the most insane way possible where I'm I know, like, I know. finding like 20 minute chunks to like watch them on the train or whatever. And then mm. I watched fucking six screen movies since I finished the since okay. i finished the season so like there is a lot of shit in my brain right now like i could have like i was like do i do a tangent on scream about henry winkler or something? No. we've done an entire we've done an entire episode on scream for this podcast you can go listen to that if you really want to <laughs> you should you should go and search there will be movies on your podcast platform of choice and find our scream episode and all the other episodes of that fine fine podcast that hit 100 episodes before we stopped maybe one day we'll get to 150 this one will only hit seven it will, which is sad, but, you know, it is what it is. And if you don't like that, I have only one thing to say in response. Suck a dick, dumb shits. <laughs> Bye, everyone. I forgot that was the outro. <laughs>